37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 168 of Pixelated Paranormal, episode one of a three-part series about tonight's topic that uh, I think has been a long time coming. But first of all, I'm joined by Preston and Big Steven. Guys, what's new with you? Not shit. Just chilling and trying to get through these weird times. We had an election. (laughs) It was eventful. Still is going eventful. <laughs> and right, yeah. uh, I don't know, it was a pretty exciting time to see everybody turn up. And I don't know. That's all, that's all we're going to say. We're not going to get into too much of it. And we're glad that that's behind us. And now we move forward. Yep. Right? There you go. And uh, so I got some new vinyl record stuff. I got a bunch of new records. Uh, got some comedy records like Cheech and Chong, Richard Pryor. Uh, some of the, like psychedelic stuff, uh, Richie Haven live record. Oh yes, he's amazing. If you never listen <laughs> to him, you should. And I got a new system set up, so I got a Kenwood old nineteen seventies retro receiver and some Bose seventies uh, speakers. But unfortunately, one of them is messed up, so I get a replacement tomorrow. A replacement set tomorrow. So. The guy oh, got yeah. him. From... So your bows blows. Indeed. But man, that is crazy because like when I set it up, like I set everything up, everything was working, and it sounded amazing. I was like, oh, this sounds so good. And then mm-hmm. uh, something else happened, and then I went down there and changed the little setting to see what the, I could make it sound differently. And then that's when I noticed that the right the right uh, main speaker wasn't working. I was like, oh shit. So that's when you fucked up. Yep. So I called the guy that, that Brian at AOK Pawn and. Wichita and he said, "Yep, bring it in. We got another pair, or you can uh, find something else that'll that'll work for it." So, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, there you go, man. That's awesome. Sure. It's like the one kind of hobby you can have that going back in time is going to sound better than modern time. It's cra- It's crazy. And how I got this was, mm-hmm. I traded my. I had a Sony. This Sony digital uh, called Sony Shake 33. It's this big, huge, like, light-up LED, like, speakers and their DJ settings. And, I mean, it's very flashy. And it's very lots of bass. I mean, this thing is pretty pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But it just, you know, I, I like the retro feel. And I like that it's going to match my uh, turntable that I have. And so, and your owl statue, yeah, my owl statue, yeah. <laughs> so I got all that, all that stuff to together, man. And like, I, I just like it a lot more. So with these upgrades, yeah, trade is trade pretty much straight across, and it's, I'm really happy with it. Shit, yeah, cool, man. Presto, anything new with you, buddy? Same old shit. I mean, I got a new computer set up thanks to Steve, and then um, I got a kidney stone. So <laughs> thanks the to perfect Steve. Bear. <laughs> yeah, thanks to Steve. He does yeah. buy one, get one free over here. He does give a lot of kidney stones. Yeah. Yeah. Steve is the motherfucker that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is great. So we just restarted the recording um a minute ago because of background interference, and now my dog is running laps around the coffee table, squeaking her cheeseburger. So boys. 
girls, Just girls, strapping. guys, gals, everything in between. You're going to have some background noise tonight. It's all right, man. <laughs> but that's all right. That's just Satan's way of getting us to not record this episode. Because tonight we're starting a three-part series about exorcisms and possessions. Yep, there's that squeaking. That's Yep, she found the squeaker. That's great. <laughs> it's okay, man. <laughs> so last year at a used bookstore, I picked up a copy of The Exorcist, the famous book by William Peter Blady, or Blady. I forget how to pronounce his last name. First off, we should, probably start, we should probably start off by saying, Leslie... Get out that liquid sage. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? Let's go ahead and do a disclaimer, too, um, as my dog runs in and out of the bedroom. <laughs> um, we need to drop a disclaimer. Um, you know, mental health is very important. While we're discussing, you know, exorcisms and possessions, this goes hand in hand with uh, mental illness, undiagnosed mental illness. So, again, guys, just a trigger warning. Um, I will insert the national hotline for mental health and all that stuff during the edit. But yeah, we just want to kind of drop drop that disclaimer there, guys. Trigger warnings uh, again. We're not going to be making fun of any of that kind of stuff, but it does go hand in hand with the topic. And Leslie, get the sage spray. Uh, everybody else, maybe sage the corners of your rooms. Who knows? Maybe sage your your AirPods. But yeah, I picked up this copy of The Exorcist, and it was really funny. Wait, did you say sage I, your AirPods? You're, yeah, <laughs> you that's know. awesome. You know, <laughs> maybe Sage, your 1970s Bose speakers. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows where Satan travels? Satan's definitely traveled in them speakers. That's true. Yeah, all the fucking Dio they probably played. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, this book and I kind of have an interesting relationship because I had passed it two or three times over the course of probably six months at the uh, used bookstore. I'd go in and I'd see it and I would pass on it and pass on it and pass on it. And finally, one one fateful day um, back in 2019, I went ahead and jumped on it because it was still there. And I thought, wow, if that book is still here after all these months, like maybe I should definitely pick it up. And I grabbed it and I told myself I would read this book, but I would have to wait till fall because, you know, that specific book to me deserves to be read in a kind of spooky time of year. You got to basic it up, man. Yeah, man. PSL in hand. Uh, I had a scarf on now. But the, the chill in the air and the leaves are all falling and it's getting darker earlier in the evening. The veil's thinning because we're getting closer to Christmas. And so as we sit here, guys, on 11-11, happy Veterans Day to everybody. So I'm halfway through this book and I'm sitting here kind of thinking, you know, a few days ago, wondering what we should be talking about on this week's episode. And then out of the blue, Preston texts Stephen and I, and you proceeded to tell us how you were discussing with one of your associates a possession story, a very specific possession mm-hmm. case that happened over in Germany, right? Yep. About Annalise Michael. Is that how I pronounce the name? Very good. Okay, because before I had Michelle, what's her name? And that yeah. was obviously <laughs> not the right name. Yeah, that's not it at all. <laughs> oh, perfect. And your associate happens to be German, and so mm-hmm. you were just kind of bragging about how you were listening to these uh, these tapes, these audio uh, tapes of the possession and this woman talking in tongues and demonic voices, and you've got your associate there translating all the stuff she's saying. And so that just kind of materialized right in our laps, and so we thought, why not dive into exorcisms and possessions? 
Rad. That word didn't sound right as I was saying it. And, you know, this is one of man's greatest fears because, you know, as long as humans have been believing in God, they've also been terrified of the devil. And I've got a really specific relationship with The Exorcist. I think I may have mentioned this before, but my mom, um, actually, this movie, like many other parents, terrified my mother um, to pieces, you know, when I was growing up and when she watched it originally. And so, I mean, for years, I had this pact that I solemnly swore to my mom I would never watch the movie. My mom, and my mom watched that when she was younger, too, and scared the shit out of her. Just like, I remember yeah, I mean, Leslie's story. We talked about that before. It was, stuff's funny. They just yeah, terif- we've had a couple round tables when Leslie's her too. discussed that. My mom had scared the shit out of her, but then when I was young, she was like, sit your little ass down. You're going to see what this is about. Oh, so man. I'm, I'm happy for it. I thought it was tight. I, yeah, I went, and I went years. I was like, how the hell How the hell did they get her to float above that bed? That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> or how did they get that oh, head yeah, to turn man. around? I mean, it's, it's just an insane film. Um, my buddy, okay, so back up real quick. I, I went until I was well into my thirties before I finally watched this movie, uh, because that's just, you know, how long I lasted with that promise that's and finally wild. I caved in. Isn't that wicked, yeah, man? One pretty... of the scariest movies of all time. And I'm a huge horror ghoul and ghoul. I just never watched it. Now I've got the movie, I've got the book and I've got the uh, soundtrack on vinyl, but. Flex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obsessed much? But yeah, my buddy I got Phil. The media uh, covered, okay, bro. <laughs> <laughs> my buddy Phil from the UK and I were talking about film one day, and he mentioned The Exorcist, and I said I never saw it. And the next day, he gave me a copy of the extended director's cut of the film, and I sat on it for two more years before I watched it. So I think I watched it for the first time maybe two years ago. But yeah, it's a fantastic film. The book is really good. Of course, like most cases, the book is way better than the movie. But what's interesting is the book was inspired by a lot of real life accounts of, you know, supposed true possession. So that's what we're going to focus the latter half of the episode on is the stories and the history that inspired uh, Blatty to write the book. But first, let's kind of talk about some other stuff here, guys. What are some other exorcism and possession movies that you're fans of, that people should watch outside of The Exorcist? Well, you should go on to Netflix and um, watch The Devil and uh, Father Amrith, which uh, came out in 2017, um, which, you know, films a real-life exorcism. And I got... Mm. uh, Check this out. It sounds just like the Deadites from Evil Dead. It does, yeah. It does. And you can actually, like, when you're watching it, you can see her throat, like, get bigger. That's tight. So the, the, the scientific, you know, fucking science explanation was mm-hmm. that because she's in this hypnogonic state that her body's naturally able, able to do the throat singing like the Tibetan monks, um, whereas yeah. the... You're welcome. Just like that, but different. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, you know, the religious aspect of it is that, um, no, that's the actual, like, because they ask her, like, who's in her body? And she says Legion. 
So you can, you know, hear like multiple voices coming out of her. And so the spiritual side of that would be that, no, she's actually being possessed and they're taking control of her vocal cords and causing that. And even if we listen to, um, you know, either next episode or the third episode when we cover the actual, you know, Annalise Michael um, exorcism, you know, I have an audio clip where you can hear that same tone, like a lot of these exorcist case, the victims that are being possessed, they sound exactly like that. Hmm. Wow, that's wicked, man. Almost sound like they're saying, swallow your soul, swallow (laughs) dead by dawn, dead by dawn. (laughs) That's crazy though, man. That sounds wicked. That, that that's from a movie that's on Netflix. Yeah, it's like a documentary. The, yeah, yeah. And the guy that uh, produced the documentary was actually the director for the Exorcist movie. So, damn, I have to check that shit out. Wait, now go go back. What was that again? The guy that directed that film on Netflix, he was the actual director for the Exorcist. He decided to make a documentary about like real life exorcism because. He was so enamored with the whole, you know, the whole genre. What's the, the movie called? Topic. The The documentary is called The Devil and Father Amrith. The Devil in or and? And. A-N-D, motherfucker. Father. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do a real, Amrith. wow, Preston. Not that I doubted you, but that's just really interesting. Yeah. Damn. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. William Fried- Friedkin, Friedkin, Friedkin. Yeah. LinkedIn. Released in April 20th of 2018. Wow. Damn, that's crazy, dude. And it actually has uh, Father Gabriel Amherst. Um, He is portraying himself in this documentary. So yeah. that's... Ooh, so basic, okay. basically the girl that they're trying to perform the exorcism on she's been possessed for like 20 years and like they keep going back and like trying to get all these demons out like oh we got one but there's one more so (laughs) yeah 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 that's crazy well i mean like and there's a scene in there's a scene in a church and where they had to stop filming and that's all i'm gonna say about it so definitely you should go watch it because okay. that's when, like, you're like, holy shit, this guy who did this movie with all the curse bullshit around it, who had this experience, and then he goes over to Italy, he's inside this church, and then everything goes to hell in a handbasket, and he's like, yeah, I gotta get the fuck out of here, like, um, wow. this, this is real life shit, guys, like, I'm not even joking, I'm like, oh. <laughs> that is wicked, man, huh? Yeah, yeah I've, I started watching it a couple years ago. And then I fell asleep one night watching it because I have a habit of, you know, watching really heavy shit at like one in the morning. I normally pass out. So. Man, this is a split movie, too, on the IMDb ratings. Holy shit. It's mm-hmm. either one mm-hmm. or eights. <laughs> like, there's no middle ground, yep. man. But I don't know. It sounds cool. Yeah. yeah, I need to check that out for sure. Good find, man. Oh, yeah. I do what well, I can. Steve, what other uh, what other films uh, should people keep an eye out? Cool. For? So we asked this on the Instagram, the Facebook, and the like from groups and personal pages. And our buddy Chris says the movie Fallen is that the movie with yes. uh, Denzel? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. That movie's great. Excellent what, movie. Nineties probably or early two thousands. Um, it was probably like ninety eight, ninety nine. Right, right before that, right before that, Crutch. 2000 time. And it's got Rolling Stone, you know, it's uh, got a bunch of Rolling Stones music in it. So you get Satan, yeah. the, the Rolling Stones. and Wow. 
Yeah. Uh, 1998 is when that film came out. Nice. Boom. So, uh, buddy Tim says, repossessed. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen movie from 1990. It was kind of like the first, uh, you know, that series of shitty movies called Scary Movie. You know, Scary Movie 1 through yeah, like 5. Yeah, parodies. Yeah. Yeah, Repossessed was kind of like one of the first horror movie awesome. um, parody films. I've never Leslie seen it. Leslie Nielsen was in that movie. Yeah, it was pretty pretty solid. Cool. I think Linda Blair actually is in it as well. Tight. It's like Naked Gun, but, you know, scary. Yeah. I love exactly. I, I love horror comedy parody movies, so I'd, that'd be right up my alley. I'll have to check that out. So, of course, everybody mentions Exorcism of Emily Rose. That's my favorite Exorcism movie next to the OG, which is, of course. Which, which is based on the Exorcism of Annalise Michael. So nice, sweet. Uh, our buddy David says the last exorcism, probably he says, probably the last exorcism because it wasn't filled with jump scares that were cheesy or anything, it actually made you think, mm, which okay. is true because a lot of movies these days do rely on the jump scares, and it's mm-hmm. not so much about that type of thing. Um, I think that's why I have such a problem with the Conjuring series is because it just it it's it's that genre it's that you know PG thirteen yeah. seventh grade jump scare kind of film but but I, I for me it's for me the Conjuring it's more about like the jump scares it's not about the boogeyman in the corner it's more about the the way that they use the music especially the uh, Insidious Insidious does it even better in my opinion their music is so damn good in that. Of course, they use the mm-hmm. tiny Tim, you know, tiptoe through the tulips. But then they like they do that, like that really loud, like violin screech, like that, and then, like it makes you jump. I love that shit. That's mm-hmm. oh, I love it. But uh, anyways, uh, Megan says the devil inside. I think I've seen that movie. It sounds really familiar. Do you guys know this movie, Perchance? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've seen it a couple times. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the Conjuring series, of course. Uh, somebody said Amityville Two: The Possession. I've yeah, never Amityville s- Two. I want to say I've not that seen was that. about. I I've seen it, but it's been years ago. That was um like maybe nineteen eighty one, nineteen eighty two. That one came out, but I want to say it had something to do loosely with um. Oh gosh, uh, John would know. When we recorded our episode about Amityville, John talked about it. I think it takes it's supposed to be loosely based on um, the researcher who was going through and like the journalist or whatever who was investigating the original story uh, okay. uh, and stuff he experienced whenever he went back to California. And he gets possessed. Like that, but, oh, maybe. Ah, you know who does <laughs> get possessed? This one makes me laugh. Go ahead. A car, Christine. Oh, <laughs> that's a possession movie. <laughs> But my all-time yeah, favorite okay. possession movie, the if you're uh-huh. talking about possession, exorcism, whatever, it kind of wrapped it all into one. Idle Hands, I love that movie so much. Huh. It's yeah. yeah, that's what it is. It's it's a possession, and it's a possession story. So, and then the last one is I think is a really good one too. Jennifer's Body. This movie does not get enough credit. It's pretty it when you go back and watch this movie and you take apart the like when think about watching that movie now with everything that's happened in our society and how we look at things differently mm-hmm. the way that movie was marketed you know how it was marketed it's Megan Fox you know it's very like sex sells mm-hmm. type thing but that movie is made by that movie is made and directed by like 
directed by a feminist and made by a bunch of feminists written like it's crazy i watched the whole thing about it it's pretty nuts if you go back and watch that movie now there that's their whole thing now is they're saying that because of society and how everybody's more um aware and quote-unquote woke to uh injustices and things that are happening with like you know women being treated being treated being treated terribly stuff like Mm -hmm. that uh this movie is like very woman empowering. It's pretty cool. And le- you can learn. A l- I you have can, never watched it before. You can learn a lot about that on that masters of horror, Eli Roth show. He talks, mm, yeah. <laughs> they, they talk, true, they talk yeah. about that and they interview the director huh. and the writers and stuff. Pretty cool. And don't forget Constantine. Like a lot of people. That movie, yeah. That, that that's mo- a movie about possession. Very true. And that movie is very, very good. Um, very underrated too because like that movie's like a the cult classic didn't get good reviews and then now everybody like really likes that movie it's pretty wild how they've never recreated that because it's technically a comic book movie right yeah they should do more didn't they have a tv series too yeah but it was lame it's lame yeah i i remember liking constantine quite a bit man it's a pretty solid little film hell yeah and another movie man we didn't mention this there you go, dude. Hereditary. Possession yeah. movie, man. Oh, man. And you know what? I put that movie right up on the same pedestal that I put Exorcist on. Yeah, it's really good. I feel like I wish the I could, Exorcist. You know what I would go kill for right now? The feeling I had watching that in theaters. I would love to have that oh feeling God, right there at this moment. Because I was just so on the edge of my seat and would. just like loving the shit out of the, the vibe of that movie. Yeah. Uh, I own that movie and I've yet to watch it again. I've owned it for about four years and never watched it a second yeah. time. I watched oh, it like I twice to, since though. I've bought it, but have you? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. If if you folks haven't watched, we've talked about Hereditary before, but if you haven't watched it, definitely jump on it. I think it might even be free on Prime right now. Um, mm-hmm. It is definitely, definitely worth the watch. If you though. another funny thing to do, I learned about this on. Uh, read it i don't know if it works for every movie but i know that on cabin in the woods if you go to cabin in the woods on amazon prime and you mm-hmm. turn it on if you go to your audio options god damn it i don't know why my phone keeps falling sorry i'll go back if you go on amazon prime and you're watching cabin in the woods and you go to your audio options and you turn on the descriptive hearing scene or whatever and mm-hmm. it'll actually bring up like a narrator that speaks and tells like what's going on in, in the scene. And you could tell whoever was watching that movie was having a shitload of fun describing oh, the scene. Really? Yeah. It's hilarious. Huh. Yeah. It, okay. It's, it's like sexy chiseled man looks into the mirror questions. <laughs> why is he so sexy? Like it's, it's funny as shit, dude. You gotta watch oh, it. Good. It's like it's like that AI. I I showed my computer forty six <laughs> different movies and had him write a screenplay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's good, dude. It's That's good. good. You gotta you gotta watch that shit. So it makes me wonder, like, if things like Midsummer or <laughs> Midsummer oh, or Hereditary, wouldn't that be hilarious? God, that'd be a mind melt trying to describe that movie. <laughs> no shit. But anyways, back to possession exorcism movies. What is the greatest possession movie of all time besides Idle Hands, of course? <laughs> Did you know, do you think Idle Hands would have been a movie had we not had The Evil Dead 2? 
No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um, and here's a fun fact for you, Steve. Idle Hands was based off of a robot chicken sketch called Idle Nuts about a pair of possessed testicles. There's no way. Idle Hands was before Robot Chicken. What? You would think that, wouldn't you? It has to be. I'm just going off of whatever Wikipedia said, bud. There is no fucking way that Idle Hands is before 1999. Yeah, the 1999 Robot Chicken wasn't until like 2000-something. Survey says, first episode, February 20th, 1995. For Robot Chicken? No. February 20th, 2005. Okay. <laughs> Redacted. Oh. Whoever did that oh. shit on Robo. Yeah. <laughs> that's on Wikipedia, too, you fucking idiots. Uh, that's uh, crazy, man. People. I think that's probably disinformation. I, I, I don't hear <laughs> the film was parodied. Oh, the film was parodied in Robot Chicken episode Dragon Nuts in a sketch, Idle Nuts. <laughs> that's awesome. I misread that, so I'm an idiot. So, what is it like nuts that are possessed? Yeah, testicles that are possessed. Oh, I need to I need to watch that. That sounds fucking hilarious. <laughs> I've not watched a lot of Robot Chicken stuff. I think that's on HBO Max. Maybe I'll put some of that up. Because I've always just seen clips of it because I didn't really have cable in high school or middle school or anything. So I didn't watch a lot of that stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. I need to go back and watch some uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force and some C-Lab 2020. Yeah. I do own all the Aqua Teen DVDs, though. Ooh, They're worth quite a bit. Out. Well, Steve, the answer to your question is The Exorcist. <sighs> now, before we go into the real story behind The Exorcist, I wanted to tell two... St- <clears throat> wow, did you hear that? <laughs> Speaking of testicles. Before we go into the real story behind The Exorcist, <laughs> I wanted to tell two tales of the earliest possession cases that have been recorded. Inspired, that also inspired uh, Batty, or I need to figure out how to pronounce this guy's name, Batty. Beatty. Beatty. We'll go Beatty. And, okay, cool. Bader. Which inspired Beatty to write The Exorcist as well. So, Preston, kick things off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Lou Dunn possessions? Uh, how are we going to pronounce this guy's first name? Urbane? Urbane Grandier. All right. So, Urbane Grandier was born at the end of the 16th century. In 1617, he was appointed as the parish priest of... Saint Pierre du Marche in Loudon, France, and a canon at the Church of Saint Croix. Grandier was considered to be a good looking man, wealthy, well educated, an eloquent and popular preacher. He incurred the envy of some of the local monks, and it was rumored that even with his uh Scarred vows of celibacy. <laughs> he had a thing. Scarred. It's sacred, scarred. dude. Oh. Scarred. How did you mispronounce the word sacred? <laughs> hey, daddy's on a few pain pills right now, so. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> That's forgot. true. That's true. That's true. Preston is. Preston, yeah, you're yeah. you're on meds, so we'll give you a pass. Uh, all right. <laughs> and it was rumored that even with his sacred vows of celibacy, he had a thing for the ladies. Okay, here's the thing. When you do do your little celibacy thing, that's when you're yeah. going to get more obsessed with th- with yeah trying to find some way to re- have that release. I just don't, I don't understand that. It's yeah. natural, human. And potentially, what did he have to say about the ladies? Oh, darn it. You use your tongue prettier than a $20 whore. 
Yeah, to such a degree that Grandier huh. <laughs> had aroused the hostility of a number of husbands and fathers, some quite influential, and by the dishonor he had brought uh, to their families through relations with female members of their households. And it was widely believed that Grandier had fathered a son by Philippa Trincant. Sure. Yeah, why not? The daughter of his friend, Louis Trincant, the king's uh, prosecutor in Loudon. Oh, yeah, I made a note here called uh, The Devil All the Time. So that uh, movie on uh, Netflix, The the Devil All the Time. Oh, yeah, uh, I need to watch that. The sparkly vampire guy that's playing Batman now. Um, Robert Pattinson. Fuck, yeah, yep. his character, the preacher that he plays... Like that's my that's my visual reference for for this this story. Like this is how I imagine this guy was. So if you haven't go go watch that movie and then come back to this and then it'll all, you'll have a good visual as we're telling the rest of the story. <laughs> it'll Just all make picture, sense. Picture picture an older Cedric Diggory. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Around 1629, Jacques de Tribolt, possibly a relative of Philippa was quite vocal in expressing his opinion on uh, Grandier's conduct with women. When Grandier demanded an explanation, uh, Thibault beat him with a cane outside of the church of St. <laughs> Croix. Mind your business, then, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> turned his ass in for being an adulterer. Ooh. Yeah. Wait, wait, so somebody, somebody's trying to snitch on him trying to get with some ladies, so he's like, bitch, I'm going to turn your ass in. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Beat him with a beat him, beat him beat with a cane, cane with pimp cane, and turned him in. Yeah, mm-hmm. motherfucker. That's that is the yeah, equivalent of a, a bitch slap for sure. Grandier, here's a spoiler alert: is the villain of the piece who just, <laughs> I mean, gets what's coming to him. Some believe, others believe he was falsely accused. So he's a pimp. I don't know. Don't I hate the play. I hate the game, son. Yeah, yeah, he's I not a pimp because he's not making money off the nuns. He is sexually assaulting the nuns. Yeah, yeah. I think two things oh. are going on. Two things are are going on here. And when we get done with the story, I'll elaborate more. Because oh, okay, was like, okay. So I didn't know he yeah, was yeah. sexually assaulted. I thought he was just like seeing a couple of them. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was getting he was getting some trim on the side, Steve. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay, well, without being sensitive, we both. Yeah. So what happened was, the guy didn't like. Let's see here. Let's back up real quick. Thibault didn't like the fact that Grandier was being such a womanizer and kicked the shit out of him in front of the church, beat him with a cane, and then turned his ass into the church. Oh, mm-hmm. so he turned the the guy that was getting the chicks in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. Well, Thibault beat the shit out of Grandier. <laughs> okay. I want to sound like a dick. We'll see. <laughs> or keep it. I don't give a fuck. fuck it. <laughs> Anyways, during his trial, uh, Thibault raised certain charges in his defense, causing the magistrates to turn uh, Grandier over to the what? Ex? I don't know. Whatever. That oh, word the um, ecclesiastical. Yeah, ecclesiastical. There you go. Court. The bishop then prohibited Gardier from performing any public functions as priest for five years in the Diocese of uh, Poitiers and forever in Loudon. 
Uh, Gardier appealed to the court of Poiters, and a number of witnesses retracted their statements. The case was dismissed without prejudice should new evidence ever be presented. So he was off the hook. Damn. God. Yeah. But he still got his ass beat. Yeah. With a cane. With a cane. <laughs> Meanwhile, in 1626, the Ursuline Covenant, a religious sect of only women, was open in Ludan. By 1632, the Covenant of Ursuline grew to a total of 17 nuns led by uh, Prioress Jeanne de Agnes, but besides being nuns, the women, averaging to uh, be about uh, 25 years old, also shared something else in common. They were visited by the devil. Mm-hmm. Ooh. The <laughs> first reports of the alleged demonic possessions began about five months after the outbreak of a plague in 1632 as it was winding down. While physicians and wealth, wealthy property owners had left town, others attempted to isolate themselves to help stop the spread of the last remaining plague. The covens shut themselves behind walls. The nuns discontinued receiving parlor visitors, kind of like what maybe sh- we should be doing nowadays. So, everybody was following the social distancing rule and keeping their distance, except that one guy, Gardier. He was still trying to get his dick on. Um, and you wear a red hat by spin- chance? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, oh, he was spending his days amongst the plague, visiting the sick, and uh, giving money to the poor. Maybe. I think he was doing something else. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Buying one, a handy. Yeah. One evening, one of the young nuns said that she had a vision of her recently deceased confessor, a man called Father Mossant. Soon after this report, other nuns reported similar visions. Uh, the late-night ghastly visitations of dead father Mossant, Canon Jean Mignon, the covenant chaplain, uh, decided that a series of exorcisms was in order due to the unholy nature of such a visit. In the town, rumors of these ghostly apparitions spread, but the townspeople believed it to be poppycock and said, saying that it was just the work of a trickster or practical jokes, being played by some of the uh, boarding students in effort to frighten some of the nuns. The nuns claimed that the demon Asmodai was sent to commit evil and imprudent acts with them. So Asmodeus or Asmodai is a prince of demons, or in Judo-Islamic lore, the king of the earthly spirits, mostly known uh, from the deuteroconical book of Tobit, in which he is the primary antagonist. In Binesfield classification of demons, Asmodus represents lust. Do I make you horny, baby? (laughs) (laughs) The demon is also mentioned in the Talmudic legends, for instance, in the story of the construction of of the Temple of Solomon. So there's a little quick history of that demon. Damn, wow. Yeah. So during questioning about the supposed evil spirit uh, thought to be possessing them, the nuns gave several answers to who caused its presence, a priest, uh, Peter, and Zabulon. After about a week on October 11th, Gardier was named as the magician responsible for the demonic visitations, though none of them have ever had ever met him. Next, physicians and say that word apothecaries. There you go. Were brought were were brought in. 
Canon Mignon informed the local magistrates of what was happening at the Covenant. Gardier filed a petition stating that his reputation was under attack and the nuns should be confined. The Archbishop of Bordeaux um, intervened and ordered that the nuns were all separated, and surprisingly, the appearance appearances of possession seemed to subside for a time. During their possessions, the nuns exhibited increasingly extreme behavior, shouting, swearing, barking, growling, and other lewd acts. Eventually, Cardinal Richelieu uh, decided to intervene. And then in August 1634, the case was heard before the local magistrates. It was alleged that Gardier had made a pact with the devil and had invented invited someone to a witch's sabbat. Gardier was found guilty of sorcery and placing evil spells to cause the possessions of the Yerslin nuns. He was condemned to burn at the stake. We have ordered and do order the said Urbane Grandier, duly tried and convicted of the crime of magic, Maleficia... What is that? Is that a word? It is now. Yeah. <laughs> Mal... Maleficia, and of causing demonical possession of several Ursuline nuns of this town of Ludum, as well as other secular women, together with other charges and crimes resulting therefrom, for atonement of which we have condemned and do condemned the said grandier to make amende honorable, his head bear a rope round his neck, holding in his hand a burning taper weighing two pounds before the principal door of the church of St. Pierre du Marc and before that of St. Ursula of this town, there on his knees to ask pardon of God, the king, and his law, this done, he is to be taken to the public square of St. Croix, and fastened to a stake on a scaffold, which shall be erected on said place for this purpose, and there to be burned alive, and his ashes scattered to the wind. We have ordered, and so do ordered, that each and every article of his movable property to be acquired and confiscated by the queen, or... <laughs> confiscated by the king, the sum of five hundred coins first being taken for buying bronze plaque on which will be engraved the abstract of this present trial, to be set up in a prominent spot in said church of Ursuline, to remain there for all eternity, and there proceeding to the execution of present sentence, we order the, grand, the said grandier to be submitted to first and last degrees of torture concerning his accomplices. Now, you want to know something interesting? The burning taperweight was described to me as something to where they would heat up these, like, two-pound weights and then put them in his hands. They were two pounds each, and then they would wrap his hands in tape or towels and force him to hold these burning stones. Mm. But they also gave him a torture called the boot, where they would take, like, four pieces of wood and fit them around the person's feet then they would wrap, you know, binding ropes around them and basically make this weird, like, shabby wooden Damn. boot. Then they would take shims or, like, wooden wedges and they would stick them at the top of the boot and then take a hammer and tap, 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 driving these wedges in the spaces of this boot, you know, constricting the pressure more and more and more and more and more until it would start to break the ankles and the foot bones and the leg bones of the person wearing the boots. It's kind of like that Stephen King uh, movie, Misery, where she tied up his legs and then hit one side with the sledgehammer. And, yeah, <laughs> just mm. broke the fuck out of him. Ugh. Yeah. 
So Father uh, Gardier was promised that he could have the chance to speak Pablo. one last time before he was executed to make a final <laughs> statement, and then he would then be hanged Worst. before his burning at the stake because the courts thought this would be a small act of mercy so he wouldn't burn alive. From the scaffold, Gardier attempted to address the crowd, but the monks threw copious amounts of holy water in his face so that his last words could not be heard. <laughs> what a dick move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a shitload of holy water. To, to be able to not <laughs> to be able to not Just waterboarding him. Hear somebody yelling. Yeah. They're basically waterboarding him. Yeah. But when it, the executioner went to string him up after he tied the noose around Gardier's neck and uh, hoisted him up off his feet, the trap door fell and Gardier dropped, but his neck didn't break. So while he hung there slowly suffocating, embers from the flames of the fire below caught the rope on fire. Holy fuck. And uh, <laughs> then it broke, and Gardier fell down to the fire below and began burning alive. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> the possessions failed to stop after Father uh, Gardier's execution. As a result, public exorcisms continued until 1637, a whole three years after Gardier's death. And the final departing demons left clear signs of their exit on the body of a nun nun named Jeanne de Agnes, the mother superior of the community, when the names Joseph and Mary miraculously appeared inscribed on her left arm, and Jeanne allegedly had a vision that she would be freed from the devil if she made a pilgrimage to the tomb of St. Francis de Sales. She went to Annecy, then mm-hmm. visited, visited Cardinal Richelieu, and King Louis the Thirteenth in sixteen thirty eight, and the demons were finally gone. So, my thoughts on this is, if it's not an exorcism, you know, like actual demons possessed all these nuns and they had to perform all these exorcisms. What could have happened was the same thing that took place in like the the late eighteen hundreds. When you had ladies that were diagnosed with mass hysteria mm-hmm. and, the, and they, you know, brought them to the doctor and the doctor basically got them off and perform, performed like some sex acts on them to relieve them. Oh, yeah. To relieve them at. Yeah. The hysteria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the fact that you have all these nuns and they're associated with a, a you know, horny demon. And then you mm-hmm. got this priest who's going around sticking his dick and everything that I think that uh, that's kind of what was going on. Like these nuns weren't, weren't really possessed, but they just had that uh, sexual frustration and, you know. Or they were just predators yeah. saying, I know what you need. You seem to have a case of the willies. Maybe I should introduce <laughs> you to my willy. And that was the way all these doctors got off, just being these fucking perverts and rapists. <laughs> I mean, that could have been too. Especially back then when they went unchecked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's wild. Oof. Yeah. They talk about that a little bit on uh, American Horror Story Asylum, I think. I'm try- I've never heard of that show. I'm trying to go back on, and <laughs> picture I that episode. Yeah. Picture that episode in my mind. I don't remember that one, though. Yeah. Well, time to rewatch it, pal. Yeah. Well, the second story tonight would be the possessions of Louvier, or the Louvier possessions. The possessions at Louvier in Normandy, France, took place in the Louvier convent in 1647 involving the conviction of the priests hinged on the confessions supposed by the possessed demonics, or demoniacs. 
The source of the information has actually been predominantly taken from a book called The History of Madeleine Bavent, a nun in Louvier, together with her examination, etc. This involved a nun named Madeleine Bavent. Madeleine Bavent was born in Rouen in 1607. As an orphan, at the age of 12, she was bound as the apprentice to a line worker who worked for the church. Now, according to historians on this case, the line worker of the church was running a scheme where he drugged the apprentice with something like, you know, a, a trope of belladonna and would explain to the women and the young girls to believe that he was taking them to a Sabbath. And once they arrived at the location, the drug would kick in and he would then rape them and commit other sadistic acts with the females, including his fourth victim, a young Madeline Bevent, who was only 14 at the time. Two years later, at the age of 16, she entered a hospitaller covent who had been set up and resided in the woods outside of Louvier, led by an elderly supervisor named Father David. Now, hospitallers engage in numerous charitable and economic and military pursuits for the greater good. Father David was an Adamite now. The Adamites were an obscure religious sect from like the 2nd century, who believed that they had regained Adam's primeval innocence before the whole Eve seduction and apple and serpent situation. But the caveat here is doing their practices, Father David and the Adamites believed you could only be good if you were naked. And this kind of wigged out Madeline, so she decided to decline to submit to this strange way of living and incurred the displeasure of her superiors, so, while she was able to stay in the convent, she was forced to live apart from the rest of the community, having been given the job as the Torier, or the nun who attends the turning box of the convent, by means of which communication is kept with the outside world. So, upon Father David's death, he was succeeded by Curé Matherin Picard, who was appointed her sacristan, and the person who had to look over the convent's sacred vessels and records. Well, this creep became insanely obsessed with Madeline, trying to constantly flirt with her, find reasons to be around her. He tried to seduce her, and then, after all this, he also drugged this poor woman, raping her and getting her pregnant. And not long after, Picard had died. And then in 1625, at the age of 18 years now... Sister Madeline Bevent began exhibiting strange and unusual behaviors. Anger, outbursts, zoning out, and daydreaming, sudden fits of obscenities and convulsions. And when the people of the convent took notice, she claimed an unknown force had been stalking her, and she believed that she had been bewitched by the spirits of the recently deceased Picard and also by the very much alive Father Thomas Boulier. The nunnery's former director. <laughs> What's the matter? Barbara Bouillet. <laughs> that's that's too good. I didn't even think about that. Who was the she, nunnery's former director and vicar of Louvier? She was too extreme for France and too extreme for Kansas. <laughs> that's too good. Oh, God. Her confession to authorities claimed that the two men had visited her in the night abducted her and taken her to a witch's sabbath. There, in a blasphemous dark ceremony, she was married to the devil, 
whom she called Dagon. There, she was forced to commit sexual acts with a demon on an altar, and that during this ceremony she witnessed two unknown men, tied and then crucified, and then disemboweled as her acts with the devil were taking place. Rosemary's baby yeah. shit. Madeline's confession prompted an investigation which found that other nuns had reported having been brought to a secret sabbat by Father Bullier and the ghost of Picard, both when Picard was alive and also in his post-mortem ethereal form. Where there, too, sexual intercourse with demons happened, particularly with Dagon, and these confessions were accompanied by what investigators believed were classic signs of demonic possession. All the women exhibited contortions, unnatural body movements, speaking in tongues, obscene insults, and other religious blasphemies. Beyond mere symptoms of possession, another woman named Sister Barbara of St. Michael was said to be possessed by a specific demon named Ansatif. So with all this talk of demonic possession, and with the sheer number of women claiming to have been visited and victims of a secret satanic ceremony... Well, the church decided we gotta have us some good old-fashioned exorcisms. So just like the Loudon possessions ten or so years before, the exorcisms at Louvier were held in public. Nearly every person present at the exorcisms were questioned by the high inquisitors, and with all the talks of demonic possession, the entire town of Louvier began experiencing symptoms of mass hysteria as the numbers of nuns undergoing exorcisms continued to rise, all while the screams of Father Bullier echoed throughout the countryside, because his ass was being tortured in hopes of a confession of all his satanic rituals and sex crimes. Because evidence was just piling up against Bullier and the deceased Picard, as nuns were said to have confessed further that in addition to tempting them into sexual acts, Satan supposedly in the form of Picard and Bollier, had also tried leading the nuns down the road of heresy, appearing to the nuns as a beautiful angel. The devil would engage them in theological conversations, so clever that they began to doubt their own teachings of the Lord. The sharp tongue of that devil mm -hmm. there. When told this was not the same information they had been taught, Satan replied that he was just a messenger of the heavens, who was sent to reveal fatal errors in what was otherwise accepted dogma. Signs of possession continued throughout the exorcisms. One witness wrote that a nun, quote, ran with her movements so abrupt that it was difficult to stop her, and in one cleric's attempt, he caught her by the arm, but was then surprised to find that it did not prevent the rest of her body from turning over and over and over, as the arm were fixed to the shoulder merely by a spring. So she what the yeah. Fuck? So reportedly, she basically moved around like the corpse of Ash's dead girlfriend from Evil Dead Two. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, first off, you got the other girl, the other nun, walk running away, waddling around like a, <laughs> like little penguins anyway. Right. This one's over here spinning around, just like the fucking doing a helicopter movie. Just like those goblins from the labyrinth, popping their heads yeah, off and tossing yeah. them around. Yeah. Uh, and so, after all the trials and interviews and exorcisms, Sister Madeline Bevent would be imprisoned for life in the church's dungeon. Father Thomas Bullier would be burned alive at the stake. And for good measure, the corpse of Matherin Picard 
would be exhumed and then burned. Because fuck that guy and his ghost. Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> Isn't that wild, man? It just seems like this mass hysteria travels, I mean, just across the countryside, right? You've got the Salem witch trials. You've got the witch hysteria. You've got the werewolf stuff we talked about a few episodes ago. Everybody is just doing their damnedest to find a fucking villain. It's crazy. Right? I don't know. I mean, it's like, if people are doing this sexual abuse, then yeah, they deserve to be punished. But man, some of this shit's like just so brutal. It's like, mm-hmm. holy shit. But you're right. They, wanted, they need to find a bad guy. They need to find a villain. All right. Well, there you go, guys. A quick dip down history's most bizarre and earliest possession stories. On our next episode, we're going to dive into the real story behind the exorcist and then move on to some other classic cases of possession and exorcism. Some you might know and some you may never heard of. Steve, what do you want to plug? Cool. Well, if you want to learn how to do your own exorcism, go to our (laughs) social media account on Instagram. PXL Paranormal. That's where you can see all the visual guides and whatnot. Go to our Facebook at Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. It's where we post the episodes uh, and all that jazz. Comment on it. Give us your stories. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and appreciate all y'all. Thank you. Yeah, yeah um, guys, send us your listener stories. I've got a really good one here from Nicole in Arizona. Now, I'm going to save it because what I want to do is do another big listener story episode. Maybe so big, just like last time, we had to do two episodes, maybe. So shoot us over your story. I got a really great one here. Nicole, thank you so much, first of all, for the kind words. And second of all, for sending in this story. Um, I can't wait to read this. And like I said, we will probably do a listener story episode very soon. So you can send those listener stories in several ways. Pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. You can shoot them over to our email. Send us a DM or a PM. You can shoot us a message on the old Instagram. And we've also got a Google Voice number. If you want, you can give us a call and leave us a message. I think it tops out at about three minutes. So if you need to, you can certainly call back a second time to finish your story or just tell us your story in about three minutes or less. That phone number is 913-662-3144. But shoot us those over, and uh, what do you think, guys? Listener story, maybe first or second episode of December? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Even if it's just like even if it's just like a question. Yeah, that'd be if fun. If you pose a question, you just, you just call in, drop a line on the social media or the email, and just say, just ask a question. It sparks conversation on the show. Yep. And you're still being an awesome listener by contributing. Exactly. Be awesome. We had kind of thought about doing an AMA episode because it's been a little while since we had one of those. So I'll put out a couple call to actions on the old social medias. Uh, In the meantime, think of some questions you might want to ask us. Uh, Personal questions, questions about paranormal stuff, just whatever. Ask us, you know, what's your favorite cartoon growing up? We don't care. Just AMA, baby, all day. Say Say COVID wasn't a thing right now. Would you guys be interested in putting on our shirts and going around with a little microphone attached to one of our phones and interviewing people on the street. Yeah. Dude, all day. <laughs> Wouldn't that be tight? <laughs> Wouldn't that be tight? Yeah, we had so many great plans to just really expand this show right before COVID reared its ugly head. So 
Oh well, yeah. Suck it up, Buttercup. Better days are on the ways. And uh, one day, twenty twenty, yeah. get our plague suits. Twenty twenty one, be the men on the street. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And guys, while you're listening to our show, maybe check out the rest of the shows on the Pixelated Sausage Network. Check out Pixelated Sausage and Amazingly Baca, Thirteen Nightmares. And then go check out Attack the Backlog, Mark's video game short series that he does where he picks up a lot of old games in his backlog and gives you a little review as he's playing the game. Yeah, and give me that fucking Series X, Mark. I'm (laughs) (laughs) And I want to thank everybody also for the reviews we're getting on iTunes. We sure appreciate that. We got just another one here. This one is from Under the Marquee. The review says, pretty good. And guys, that is from the brand new podcasters who have a show called Under the Marquee. If you're into movies, um, our friend Joe and his friend Samantha have a really great show right now. They're trying to capture the magic of what it's like to watch a movie the two of them have never seen before and then have that just finished the movie conversation you'd have as you're walking out of the theater under the marquee. So check him out. I know they're on Spotify. I'm not sure if he's on iTunes yet. I think uh, Joe's looking to expand as quick as they can. But yeah, please check out Joe and Samantha's Under the Marquee. It's a lot of fun. I think it's really great because these are movies that neither one of them have watched before. So unlike a lot of shows, yeah, there's not really a bias of like, oh, I love this movie. Let's talk about it. They may watch some real stinkers. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But yeah, check them out. I can't wait. Um, they're going to have us uh, each on an episode coming up here in the near future, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I love the name. Presto, what do you got, man? And as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow the best goddamn beard that you could possibly grow, you know, something that uh, would turn on, you know, the lustful demon, then check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. And pick yourself up some scents like Dundee Cedar, Bay Rum, Sweet Tobacco, Mint, Citrus, Classic. I mean, pick them all up. Hell, just go all out with Dobbs. And if you're in the Wichita area, swing on down to uh, CD Trade Post at Pawnee and Seneca. Stop and say hello to Leslie and the gang down there. Cool. All right. Anything else, boys? Mm, No. Perfect. All right. We will catch you guys next time on part two of our Exorcism and Possession series, starting things out with the true story behind The Exorcist. Until then, cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown, Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.